This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. And tonight, we are recapping week eight of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you would like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into the review of this weekend's games. We are recording this on Monday night, uh, November 1st, 2021, shortly before Monday night football starts. So we have had a chance to watch both the Thursday night football game and all of Sunday. It was kind of a surprising week. But let's start here. While we have an audience of one, is there anything that you'd like to say to Dana uh, unless Travis Kelsey gets negative 29 points tonight? No, not really. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that makes 0-2 so far this year? What Did he hire you? Is he paying you money or something? Yes, I lost to your dad again this year. But to be completely honest, I didn't watch too much football. I actually did a lot of furniture shopping. Me and my wife bought a couch for our new for our new house. So yeah, that's pretty much what I did on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I actually thought it was some of the best football we've had in a while. Uh, it was much better than last week with uh, Bye Mageddon, Bye Bye Bye, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, but there are a lot of implications coming out of this weekend. We have a lot of news to discuss. I guess for you, what's the biggest takeaway from the weekend? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was um, kind of a huge week in the NFL, not only with news from injuries to health-wise that isn't with your, I guess, you know, limbs and stuff like that, to just big-time games, to huge storylines with quarterbacks that we've never heard of before. You kind of just had a little bit of everything. So the NFL, I would say, would be very happy with the week they had. Absolutely. You always love when you have – so many odd games that go on in a particular week. And even on a week where your premier matchup, your Sunday night primetime game seems to be marred by the fact that one of the two starting quarterbacks is not going to play. And yet somehow we get a backup quarterback that performs just as well, wins the game despite his mistakes, despite being the backup and uh, pulls it out of there. So it's uh, there was a lot to be interested in this weekend. I guess which quarterback were you talking about? You know, we, I mean, I'm assuming you're talking about the Cooper Rush, but um, what's I was because I was Jets highlight- too. But. Right. Cause I was highlighting the Sunday night matchup, but right. yeah, Mike White, uh, I think yep. some guy in New Jersey, I saw a story on ESPN, uh, bet a thousand dollars at 125 to one that Mike White would lead the uh, league in passing this week. <laughs> and so he could get a $125,000 payout. <laughs> If Mahomes doesn't throw for 406 yards tonight. That's crazy. (laughs) Well, some guy bet, what was it? 
a few weeks back, one of the weeks that Alexander Madison was starting over Delvin Cook, he bet a similar thing like 50 to one or something that Madison would lead the, the league in rushing that weekend. And he was like two yards short of Derrick Henry at the time. Which, speaking of, uh, let's just start there. Obviously, the big news of the day, Derrick Henry is going to be out for a prolonged period of time. Uh, originally, when the news broke, we thought that it would be for the entire season. We have since gotten news that I guess he broke his fifth metatarsal, which I think is like a small bone inside of his toe, something like that, or like where the toe connects to the rest of the foot, which sounds ridiculously painful. He is going to have surgery on it tomorrow, uh, when most of you will probably be listening to this episode, but he is going to be out minimum of six weeks, and that might be a very fast timetable for most people. I've heard that it's at least probably going to be eight if not a full 10. So if it's eight, you're talking, you might get him back if you get to a championship game, or if it's 10 weeks, we're talking about the actual NFL playoffs at that point. Either way, the best fantasy back this year by far that had produced, I think, what was it, more than 90 points uh, by the next closest guy, Jonathan Taylor, is now going to be gone for basically the rest of the regular season and most of the fantasy season at this point. Today was a really bad day for a lot of fantasy teams that were cruising, you know, that you're already kind of planning what you're trying to do later on in the season. Depending on what you have around him, I feel like a lot of fantasy hopes drop too. I know we were talking about it with the league that we're in. One of the top teams in our league just lost a huge part of his team. And, you know, whether he can continue going the way he is without him, it's really tough to say, but yeah, super frustrating. You hate to see it. I've said it a million times, just injuries are dumb, but yeah, I, for sure. Um, I've heard the eight weeks. Um, I have a pretty decent source, maybe lives in the house kind of knows about these things, but yeah, I've heard more eight weeks. Uh, that would be even quick. I so, heard eight weeks is still pretty quick. So what you're saying is, is that we have an in-house injury correspondent now for the show. Well, I'm just uh, not, I mean, I kind of use it for me. <laughs> oh, so hoarding extra information. I see how it goes. Yeah, injuries are fluky. And this was one where, I mean, he finished the game. He had like 26 carries in this game. He was in at the end of the game. And it wasn't like he looked like they weren't giving him the ball. Apparently, this was something that happened on the first drive of the game. So you just wonder sometimes the toughness and effort of football players that you hear about this. Oh yeah. I I heard it on the first drive of the game. And I guess, yeah, now I'll say something after the game's done and I've carried it 26 times. And I mean, good God people, but yeah, we thought for sure, this is a guy that had taken such a pounding that had so many more carries than everybody else that was producing at a rate that we had seen since basically Jim Brown, or for that matter, Earl Campbell back in the late 70s, and now he's going to be gone. So where does that take the Titans as a football team and any of the Titans as a fantasy prospect? I don't see a clear backup to him right away. I know the waiver wire is going to be mad trying to get somebody like a Jeremy McNichols, but there really isn't anybody to directly replace Derrick Henry on the Titans, let alone anywhere in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, he is one of one. You know, there there is nobody else like him. Uh, we, me, I guess, I'll speak for myself. You know, I kind of thought this would come earlier, but I don't even think it's just 
the wear and tear. I honestly think it's kind of one of those things where he's too strong for his body now. You know, like Bo Jackson had that career-ending injury, and it was because Bo Jackson was just too damn strong. Like, he did something that his body couldn't handle. And for Derrick Henry to finish the game, like, a lot of people that could say, yeah, it's just adrenaline, and, like, as much as that is true, I think he is just a crazy beast. It wouldn't surprise me if he came back in the eight weeks. It wouldn't surprise me if he came back, you know, in the six weeks either, just the type of monster that he is, but... A foot injury is something you really can't mess around with. And also a foot injury is something that whether you like it or not, that's going to probably be something that sticks around for the rest of his career now. Well, and the fact that I think he's 28, 29 in that range in an era where backs don't even make it to that magical marker of 30 anymore. We're talking about guys that are declining after about age 26. I don't know how much I want to invest in Derrick Henry. And we said this before the season, that this is the kind of thing that we expected from him that at some point there would see a decline. And then for him to be this productive and this elite going forward this year so far, we thought, okay, maybe he's just the guy that defies it all. And maybe it was just a level of tempting fate that he could have this many carries three seasons in a row and not expect something to happen to him. But he seemed to be invulnerable to anything. And now we're going to have to deal without him. As far as the rest of the Titans playmakers, I mean, that offense is predicated on the play action pass and AJ Brown had by far his best game of the season. He's had two really good ones in a row. Now, do you trust anybody in this Titans offense as fantasy viable until such time as we might see Derrick Henry on the field? You know, I guess they probably went out and got a guy like Julio Jones for this type of scenario. I'm sure this is something that played out. Like if Derrick Henry gets hurt, like we're going to have to be able to do a little bit of something else. The question is, are they going to be able to? Ryan Tannehill was probably one of the hottest quarterbacks, fantasy quarterbacks uh, ending last season, hotter than anybody, putting up consistent points, but he had Derrick Henry there. Like that's the prime focus. So now you take all that away. You're right. Play action now is kind of going to be dumb. It's going to be like, okay, give it to McNichols. Let's make McNichols beat us. In a couple of weeks, it's going to be like, yeah, let's make 55 year old Adrian Peterson beat us. I, man, I don't know. Um, for somebody that was such a big part of that offense, this is a huge loss. I think I downgrade everybody else in this offense until I see differently. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably starting AJ Brown, but I don't think that I would be comfortable starting Tannehill, even despite the matchup until we know what this offense is going to be. And Julio Jones has barely been on the field. He's barely been targeted when he's been healthy. So I don't know if that's a reliable thing. So you have one playmaker that makes most of his bread on the fact that he gets play action passes that are in good position. And I just don't know what this team's going to be going forward. It completely disrupts the team that's in number one in the AFC right now. All right. With that being said, we had several other big injuries going on. James Robinson is currently day to day. Apparently he missed a potential major injury they're having it or they're calling it right now a bruised heel, but this is another potential breakdown from a player as the season progresses. And the second year where James Robinson is wearing down about the midway point of the season, just something to keep your eye on for, I guess, running backs overall. But do you feel confident in him? If he, if he avoided a major injury, moving forward for the rest of the year, especially with how bad Jacksonville looked without him yesterday. 
I mean, you know, again, it's a foot injury and, and with a heel too, man, that's tough, especially for a running back, you know, fast feet eat and that's what gets you paid too. But uh, James Robinson, you know, he's such a huge part of that offense. And you know, once he is back in the offense, whether he's a hundred percent or not, he's going to be the main focal point of it. So, I mean, he's been one of your dogs. If you're having a successful season and he's on your team, he's probably one of the main reasons that that you are having a successful year. So you ride your dogs. That's just, that's just what you do. You go down with them. You, you trust your studs and he has been a stud from, from day one. So yeah, I think you still start him, but it is, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. This is more of a question for the redraft type, but is this a sell high prospect? I know with the injury, it's going to be hard to try and do so or move him right now until you know whether he's going to be healthy enough. But if he comes back and he has at least one decent game, is this a guy worth moving off of or a guy that you, because he's done it so far this season, that you'd be comfortable continuing in your lineup if you know he's somewhat healthy? You know, that's a really good question because, you know, for me, I still feel the quick answer is, yeah, absolutely. I still think you sell on on Jim Robinson. Part of that is still Travis Etienne is coming back next year. We they didn't get well, I just mean in redraft. Back. I think in Dynasty we've answered that question. I, I, I mean, would agree with you regardless of whether he's healthy healthy in the next um week or two. But, but I'm saying but I'm saying too is like when do you stop asking that question? Even in Dynasty too. He's been so consistent day in and day out of you know, I think I don't even think it would be a, a sell high. I think you would want to, I think he's going to continue it once he comes back, I guess is that my answer to your question. Cause he's going to be such a main focus of that offense. Yeah, I suppose at least for the main portion of the season yet, because they really don't have too many other options. No, there's nothing else there. So the next injury on our list, uh, Jameis Winston has been confirmed with an ACL injury off of that horse collar tackle he took in the Buccaneers game yesterday. He is out for the rest of the season. If Taysom Hill is the quarterback again, and this goes back to some of what we were talking about last season when he was the quarterback, we saw a major dip in Alvin Kamara's usage in the passing game and in the rushing game. And now with them specifically bringing in Mark Ingram to try and supplement him, do you see that Alvin Kamara's usage rate goes down or his productivity rate goes down for the rest of the year? I mean, last year would tell you yes. But I also think Sean Payton is smart enough to have figured that out. I mean, he had a whole offseason, right? And he now knows how important, not now, but he knows how important Alvin Kamara is to this team and how good he's been. And Michael Thomas isn't walking through that door anytime soon, 100% healthy. So absolutely, I think that they need to find a way to get in the ball. That I guess that's different than the question that you asked. But yeah, until I see different, I can't really say that, that that's a wrong assessment. I'm not trading him right away as far as redraft, but I have to see what, well, first off, we're not even sure that uh, Taysom Hill is going to be back next week. He was out this week with a concussion. That's why Trevor Simeon uh, finished that game. And I do agree with you that Alvin Kamara is by far their best playmaker and they have to figure out ways to get him the football. So I would not be in a rush to get rid of him, but it does give me some pause and some concern that he will be, the elite level back and have the elite level of touch to, or touches and volume 
that he's had to start this year, or especially the last few weeks. Um, you talk about uh, get hitting 20-plus carries a game for like four straight weeks, with the exception being that Seattle game where I think he caught 12 passes or something. So he's getting elite-level usage right now. I just don't know if that will continue because they need to keep him for the stretch run. The Saints are currently in that playoff picture at 5-2. and two. Uh, Calvin Ridley steps away for mental health reasons. He announced on Twitter yesterday after we got word that he was uh, taking time away from the team for a personal reason. Are there any Falcons you feel confident in right now? If you would like to, we can address the Calvin Ridley situation first and then kind of go to the fantasy implications. I mean, I'll answer your question. Any one I feel confident other than Patterson? No. I mean, well, I mean, Kyle Pitts still too. I still, yeah. there still are people. I mean, cause Calvin Ridley really hasn't been what everyone thought he's been all year long too. And he's only played a handful of games and these guys have still been pretty productive in all the games that he hasn't been around. So yeah, I, Patterson and Pitts, I think they're still relevant. I think so too. I, I know we were talking about it. I, I would like to just briefly address the uh, stepping away from mental health concerns. First off, Good for him for getting help. Um, I think that that's an important step all by itself. And from somebody who's been in therapy a lot of times over a lot of years, um, it can be a valuable step to dealing with a lot of different things. And sometimes stuff just piles up on you and you have no idea how you got to that point. So I don't know what's going on with him. It's not really my prerogative, but for him able to seek out the help he needs Good for it. And frankly, I, I would encourage anybody that listens to this program, knowing the benefits of it, I would encourage everyone else to seek help in whichever way they need. That being said, I think it also highlights a, I think it highlights a different availability of mental health treatment and accessibility to those that are privileged that we don't all have. It strikes me as something where we don't have a lot of policies that allow for people to step away from their job, away from their, their employer for mental health reasons. We don't have a system of mental health treatment or mental health days, although that's becoming a little bit more popular, but not enough spaces are there for you to be able to take away uh, and step away from your job for that. So he is an awfully lucky person, but I also highlight the fact that you know, if you're working a minimum wage ser- service job, your ability to take away for your mental well-being is just not there where I'm not using that to highlight that that's a problem and that you shouldn't seek help, but rather to say we need to do better just countrywide of promoting mental health. And that comes from a systematic level that allows us to do these types of things. So just on that standpoint, I commend him, but also call for a wider scope on what we can do with mental health and addressing it on a more widespread value system, especially because we don't treat it well now and don't know how to treat it most of the time. Um, I've gotten a lot of experience with that firsthand. So as far as the pass catchers go, I agree with you. Patterson is there. I don't think anybody in this offense with how bad it's been really sees an uptick in production, I think they just don't see a decline. So if you were already putting Kelvin or excuse me, Kyle Pitts into your lineup, you're probably doing so now. 
if you were putting Cordero Patterson, because you should, into your lineup, you're probably still doing so. Outside of that, I don't think there's a single Falcon on anybody's team that you would feel good about putting into a game situation right now, even including a Matt Ryan on a starting or a streaming type of uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, I felt that way before this. You know, those are the only two guys. I, I've said it all year long, but Falcons are pretty much hot, hot garbage. I don't know how they've won three football games, but they have, and good on them. But no, there's nobody on that, nobody else on that team I'd start. We touched on it a little bit ago, but we had two kind of unusual games. We had three big backup quarterback wins. When you talk about Trevor Simeon starting, or excuse me, not starting, but coming in for an injured Jameis Winston in the Saints game, Mike White starting in place of uh, Zach Wilson, and then finally Cooper Rush starting in place of Dak Prescott. Is there anything really certain in the NFL right now at almost the midway point? No. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? I don't know. Okay, so with that being said, I think there are several divisions that are basically done. So the Titans, even with losing Derrick Henry, they have a three-game lead on the rest of their division. I would find it even very difficult for them to blow that. You talk about Dallas has clearly got their division. I don't know if the Buccaneers have their division at this point, but you would think that they do because their schedule isn't very difficult the rest of the way. And the Packers probably, I think they have like a three-game lead. Three-game, the Packers have their division. Yeah, so there are some divisions that are already pretty well decided. I think the Bills probably have their division as well. So you know who some of the teams will be there. You just don't know what team is going to show up on a week-to-week basis because I guarantee you this might be the single biggest game this year that people lost money on is the Bengals and the Jets. I lost my eliminator pool much earlier than I normally do because I bet on an 11 and a half point favorite after the Jets got absolutely hammered by the Patriots last week and the Bengals hammered the Baltimore Ravens. You would have thought for sure that this was going to be a case of they're going to just continue right along and somehow it became a trap game. So I'm really not sure what happened, but any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. Yeah, let's highlight the Vikings, too. Um, A team known for their defense and just to let a quarterback that hasn't played since, what, 2017 in there and just light them up like that. Minnesota Vikings, woof. Well, first off, how does Kellen Moore not have a head coaching job? I mean, good God. If he doesn't – well, first off, if he was black, he wouldn't have a job. But that's that's a different question anyway. I mean, come on. You, you know that to be true. Be, Eric Bieniemy should already have a job, but instead we get every white coordinator. Regardless, the amount of things that he's able to do with that offense and string them along, even with a backup quarterback, should not go unnoticed. He clearly has that offensive mastery that everybody's looking for and should be probably the number one head coaching candidate going into the offseason. But it's hard to figure out exactly what's going to happen in the NFL on any given week right now and which teams are going to show up because one week the Ravens are blowing up the chargers. The next week they're getting blown out by the Bengals. So, and the Titans are six and two, but lost to the jets as well. The the jets two wins are against the Bengals, a playoff team and against the Titans, the current number one seed in the AFC. I mean, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yep. It's just the way the NFL likes it. 
All right. So big trends in the NFL this weekend. I asked this question. Neither of you answered me, although Ben kind of got around the question. But is Michael Carter a locked-in starter right now? Locked-in? I mean, he's been the last two weeks, he's been very heavily involved in the passing game. He had a very good week on the ground this past week as well for like 75 yards or something like that and a touchdown. My only issue is he plays for the Jets. That's it. You know, if he was on any other team, yeah, I'd feel like every single week I'm feeling really, really great about him. It's just I don't trust the Jets. I don't trust um, the way they handle player development. I don't trust that offense. There's just really nothing about the Jets that I trust. But these last two weeks, you can't argue with what he's doing. So, yeah, he's right up there flirting with locked-in starter every single week. A very, very good rookie coming out of the great university in North Carolina. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, give it a couple of weeks, and for sure he's there for me. But um, my only hesitation, I guess, he's, he plays for the Jets, if I'm being 100% honest. I do think there's something a little bit different about the Jets and this coaching staff, given that it is uh, Matt LaFleur, or excuse me, Mike LaFleur, Matt's brother, as the offensive coordinator kind of running the Shanahan system. So I do think that they're going to be able to have some running back quality once their offensive scheme kind of gets in place. But you love the volume that you're seeing from him in the last couple of weeks and that he's kind of grown into the position. He was one of the few running backs that had a clear opportunity to get to the head of the line with only, what is it, Ty Johnson and... Tevin Coleman as his primary rivals in that backfield. Yeah. I mean, we all knew he was going to be the starting running back by the end of the year. I mean, I think that was pretty clear. I'm not sure. I, I completely thought that, but it, it was a question coming out whether he was going to be able to take a, a large volume and a large workload. But the way that the Jets have been using him the last couple of weeks, and yes, maybe it's a byproduct of playing with poor quarterbacks that they have to dump the ball off. But I do think that there is something to be said for what he's been doing lately. And I definitely would be starting him in a flex position. I'm not sure if I'm ready to go up to like a running back too, but I think he's definitely with the volume he's gotten lately, at least in your lineups, because the Jets aren't usually playing really tough teams. Did Zach Wilson play last week? Uh, yeah, he started the game. He got hurt uh, against the uh, Patriots. and Mike well, White came in. I mean, then you got to see what he does with Zach Wilson for a couple of weeks, because these last two weeks is where he's been racking up the receptions That's and as true. a running back and as a running back um, or as a fantasy owner that loves running backs that have that pass catching ability. I love you, Austin Eckler. That's really something you're looking for, but you got to see what Zach Wilson does with him. So I guess I'll add that to my hesitation with the jets. That's true. Although Zach Wilson is going to be out at least two more weeks. So I think you have the same variables in place that have at least made him into the valuable asset right now that I'd be starting. Yeah. All right. Uh, other big trends. Uh, we're past really the halfway point of the fantasy season for basically everybody at this point. What are the biggest surprises to you so far this year? Biggest surprises to me. I mean, you have a couple listed, but the big one out of the couple you have listed is Keenan Allen. I mean, we all know how great I think he is as a wide receiver. Um, I knew Mike Williams could have a bigger role in that offense, but I guess I didn't realize that he would eat so much into Keenan Allen's productivity. That being said, the Chargers have been pretty terrible on offense these last 
I'll say three weeks because one of the weeks was a buy. So that wasn't helpful to anybody either. But um, Keenan Allen just really hasn't been that solid stud wide receiver one that we've grown to know and love. Yeah, I think part of this is a byproduct of the offense that they're running. You would have thought that is it Joe Lombardi or is it Mike Lombardi? Whoever is coming. It's, it's Joe Lombardi. Yeah, it might be that came in and everybody was very high on Eckler playing the Camara role in this offense. You would have thought that Keenan Allen would have played the Michael Thomas role. And that has not been the case so far this season. It's He's more just not Mike, seen... Yeah. It's more Mike Williams playing the Marquis Colston role. That's an interesting comp. I, I think that goes back before uh, Lombardi right. was with the, the saints, but it's at least the old Sean Payton. I don't know. I, I would have expected he's gotten a lot of targets, but they just haven't been able to click or connect. And this is surprising because it's not like, okay, this is the first year of Justin Herbert and he's clearly not gotten a connection. Kind of like how Allen Robinson has disappeared for the bears with uh, Justin Fields in there, but it's not the same case as last year because uh, he was an effective player with Justin Herbert at quarterback last season. So I don't know if there's something bothering him, if it's the routes being run, if it's the scheme or what exactly is going on, because I'm sure at least in a redraft situation, you would have probably spent a second or third round pick on him and you're just not getting the return. Yeah, absolutely. And redraft. I mean, I guess I didn't even think about that. Redraft, you're pissed because he's probably your wide receiver one. If you're maybe wide receiver two, depending on what um, pick you have in the draft, but yeah. That's that's pretty annoying. So other thoughts that I had down, Justin Jefferson and Antonio Gibson, comparative to where they were drafted. Again, guys in the second, third round, kind of in that area. There were people calling Antonio Gibson as like a top five back going into the season. And Justin Jefferson, after that huge explosive year last year, I think he sits somewhere in between like uh, wide receiver 17 and 20 on the season. So definitely not a wide receiver one at the moment. What do you have to explain either of these guys so far? I mean, with Gibson, I guess you can say a little bit of that is injuries. He's been dealing with quite a few injuries this year. So I guess I'll give him the benefit of that, uh, the doubt for that. Um, With Justin Jefferson, I don't really know, man. I just don't think the Vikings are all that good. But Kirk Cousins has been having quietly a very, very good year. So I don't really know. Well, the Vikings have moved the football. They just are not scoring points. And they're not getting a lot of the big explosive plays that they did last year. Part of that might be opponents. I think it might also be that uh, Gary Kubiak's son is actually the offensive play caller right now. So maybe that might be part of it. And maybe it's just a matter that Justin Jefferson is now getting the top cornerback matchups and he's not able to be the same stud that he was last year where they were matching up more on Adam Thielen. I don't know. I don't expect that Mike Zimmer is going to have his job after this season with how badly the Vikings have played. Frankly, I'm a little surprised he has it right now yet. And it's a competition between him and Matt Nagy for who's going to be the coach fired first. Um, But I don't know. I I think Justin Jefferson is a talented player. I think that they have guys that can get him the football. They just haven't been able to do it right now. Agreed also on the Antonio Gibson. We've talked about him a little bit so far and part of it's the injury, but really everything that surrounds that Washington football team right now has just been a dumpster fire. And I don't know what happens going forward, but I sincerely for all Washington football team fans, I hope somebody else buys your team. One of the other big surprises to me 
some of the names that are in the top 10 of wide receiver, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, Hollywood Brown, Mike Williams. These are guys that I don't think a single one of them went before round five in most redraft leagues. Yeah, uh, Debo Samuel, I think, has the most 100-yard receiving games this season, I think. He has three. Uh, I think Cooper Cup might but have more, but like, yeah, all I think it's Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, and Debo are the top three in receiving yards yeah. so far this season. Cooper Cup has been quite the surprise. Um, we knew he was uh, doing pretty good, um, but he already has uh, more fantasy points this year than he had all of last year. Um, could be the fantasy MVP if he keeps it going. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me this list at uh, the beginning of the year, before the year started, Jamar Chase might be the only one that I believed. I'm not sure I would have even believed that, just because even though we had a huge rookie standout last year, does he him there's come always, on? I, I just, there's always I, a rookie standout, though, and wide receiver, too. So, I mean, it just wouldn't uh, surprise. There's not always one. I mean, look at Mike Williams and Corey Davis that one year, both go inside the top 10 and wait three years to actually break out. But, but I, I, mean, I, I don't know. I just one. Yeah, but this is different. I think him being what number two in uh, receiving yards so far this season, that's just different, man. It, it, it really is. Another big surprise for me, a guy we've talked about a ton, so I won't give it a ton of time, but Cordero Patterson. The fact that he is, I think, in the top 15 at both receiver and running back so far this year yet. And he had another game where he didn't have a high usage rate, but he got just enough efficiency and another touchdown in order to have a decent day. Yeah, he um, he always finds the end zone. That's for sure. And uh, for somebody like him to to keep being effective, I mean, he's got to keep scoring, scoring touchdowns. So good on him you kind of wonder too like how long does this last but he's been doing it now for over half a season so yeah and the guy i think that's here to say it's just kind of crazy to think about uh guys that came out of last year's draft so out of the big running back class that we had last season and then the wide receiver class let's talk about the running backs first really we have two big standouts so far this season one that went number two overall and number seven in our own drafts DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. I think at this point, there's an argument to be made that Jonathan Taylor is the best remaining back in football. I mean, fantasy or real yes. NFL running back? Fantasy? Yes. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, yes, absolutely. I think to both. I mean, his involvement and the fact that he's been relatively healthy so far this season, I don't think he had too many issues last year with health, is ability to be involved. And now that Derrick Henry's out, I think there's an argument to be made that he could be the number one back going forward. Opportunity um, gets a lot of goal line touches as well. Um, and somebody that's been improving in the passing game. So yeah, I, I agree. You can make that argument. And I think he's probably the number one fan, uh, dynasty back at this point, at least to me. Mm-hmm. As far as other backs, DeAndre Swift's emergence as a premier number one back I know there have been games where he hasn't done it, but his involvement in the passing game has really raised his floor so far this season. Yeah, I mean, but he's truly their only target. I mean, besides TJ Hawkinson, but we all know how the tight end market has been all year long. But yeah, he's somebody that they know they have to get the ball to. And as a fantasy owner, that's exactly what you want. Absolutely. So another note that I had, uh, CEH from the same draft might be a big bust 
Uh, he's currently sitting out, but he had a couple of games that were starting to be promising that got hurt. I just don't know where that's going to be. And on the same note, are the Chiefs even elite anymore? I think people have figured out better ways to play against the Chiefs. I think you play the long game. And I think you make Patrick Mahomes beat himself. And that's what he's been doing. I think I said this last week where I think he's at a point right now in his career where he kind of thinks his shit doesn't stink at all. So he kind of does a lot of things where it's just like, why? Why did you do that? He's had four, I think, just huge, stupid ass turnovers this year where you're like that the best player in the league doesn't does not do that. So I think if he can kind of get back to being himself, taking what the defense gives him and then taking shots when the shots are there. Yeah. I think they can be, we know who the chiefs are. I mean, so let's not get too ahead of ourselves, but no, they're not the, they step on the field. You know, you already lost chiefs anymore. Yeah. But I also mean from a fantasy perspective, I just don't know Travis Kelsey, while the number one tight end in fantasy by far, he's just not the same player that's basically doubling up guys every week. And Tyreek Hill, while at least a good number one wide receiver has not been the, the dominant player that he once was Patrick Mahomes has had a couple of bad games that have kind of kept him out of the top five at quarterback right now. And there's a possibility that he sneaks back in with a good performance tonight against the Giants. But I think he's already through eight games, thrown more interceptions this season than in any other season that he's had. So it just speaks to what's been going on with their team. And yes, some of those are just bad throws. Some of the other ones are just like effort plays or just bad luck. The amount of tip balls that he's had so far this year. I just don't know what's going on with them. Maybe you want to say it's the Super Bowl losers curse. Maybe you want to say it's the Madden curse, but I I just don't quite understand how they went from being such a juggernaut, particularly offensively, to this and it's kind of confounding to try and figure out also on my uh, notes here 10 of the top 20 average draft position running backs have missed at least one game so far this year and that's before you even consider Derrick Henry is going to be out six to eight weeks probably minimum James Robinson could be out this next week and eight or J.K. Dobbins Travis Etienne and Cam Akers didn't even start the year that list of 10 includes Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, CEH, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, and David Montgomery so far. Yeah, I mean, we've that's been a point of our show all year long. You know, injuries suck, and it's been a really bad injury year again. If there's no better reason to draft a lot of running backs and to draft handcuffs, I don't know what is than that list. The Cowboys are much more run-oriented than we expected. Uh, We probably predicted that they were going to be a very pass-heavy team after what we saw last year, particularly from their defense and having to be come back late in games. So far this year, they've been able to do it a lot with defense and running the football. So you haven't gotten as many of the big games as you were expecting coming in. I think a lot of that has to do with Dak's health as well, but you got two very good running backs, you know, might as well. Um, control the clock and control the game on the ground. Agreed. Uh, Tight end this year might be worse than last year. TJ Hawkinson is number three in the year and hasn't scored a single touchdown since week two. Yeah. Well, Rob Gronkowski was out for a month and I think he's still at the end of this week was still one of the top 12 tight ends. So yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. 
And finally, Tom Brady might be having his best season. He is the number one fantasy quarterback right now. Even after this last week? Oh, definitely after this last week. He had 39 points yesterday. He's almost single-handedly responsible for me losing my game. Really? Even oh, with yeah. two, I, get, I didn't look at it. Oh. He had over 300 yards passing. He had a couple of like long scoring TDs. He, I think he had three passing touch or uh, three or four passing touchdowns in that game. He had a huge game. He threw like three interceptions though, right? Yeah, but interceptions are only minus two apiece. Yeah, I know. Yes, I mean, the offense is in year two where everyone's in it. They're kind of just on the same page coming off the Super Bowl high as well. You know, he's been here a million times. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me for sure. He's having his best year so far. So, if the playoffs started today, here would be your playoff teams. Number one would be the Titans, the Raiders, number two, three, the Baltimore Ravens, four, the Bills, five, the Bengals, six, the Steelers, and seven, the Chargers. Yes, seven teams now. In the NFC, we'd have the number one seeded Green Bay Packers the number two Arizona Cardinals, three Cowboys, four Buccaneers, five Rams, six Saints, and seven Panthers. I don't think this is how the year is going to finish by far, but how do you feel about kind of some of the playoff matchups that we have currently available on the board? I mean, the NFC is from top to bottom is a lot closer than uh, the AFC, I believe, but Still, I think there's a lot of really good football teams just in general this year. I think it's just going to be a really fun playoffs. I think it's going to be probably be a Super Bowl, too, that no one really expects. I'd be curious. I think the AFC, or excuse me, not the AFC, the NFC should be clearly favored based on the top of the uh, conference just being so much better than the AFC right now, which has been kind of a mishmash of different teams and inconsistencies. So we have yet to see it and we'll have to wait, but I don't know. I I really don't know what we're going to get out of this right now. I think it will be fun here as we kind of get into Thanksgiving and the last portion of the year, especially with an extra week of football, that the playoffs is going to be delayed a little bit longer, that we've got a lot of football left on the table yet. I mean, we got 10 weeks of this regular season yet to go after even tonight. So who knows what we're going to have, but We've got we've got a lot of football left before we are done. Top tens for the week at quarterback. We had Tom Brady, number one, Jimmy Garoppolo, number two, Mike White, Mike fucking White, number three, Josh Allen, four, Matt Stafford, five, Justin Fields, six, Davis Mills, seven. Again, somehow he sneaks onto this. Ryan Tannehill, eight. Cooper Rush, 9, and Geno Smith, 10. I haven't seen such a weird set of fantasy quarterbacks finishing in the top 10 since about 2017 when we had Case Keenum and Alex Smith as our championship game uh, matchup in our league. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird week from top to bottom, from start to finish. So, I mean, these don't surprise me. Running backs is a little bit clearer as far as uh, some of the names that you probably have heard of and could rely upon, but Michael Carter, number one, Joe Mixon, two, Eli Mitchell, three, Darrell Henderson, four, Austin Eckler, five, Aaron Jones, six, Jonathan Taylor, seven, Najee Harris, eight, Boston Scott, a name from the past, nine, and Melvin Gordon, the third, 10. Anybody surprise you here? I mean, I think Boston Scott. 
for sure is the one that sticks out right away. Yeah, for all the talk we had of Kenneth Gainwell going into this week and then fucking Boston Scott and Jordan Howard get all the work. Who I don't know who had that one coming. Wide receiver, we had A.J. Brown as the number one, Chris Godwin two, Michael Pittman three, Amari Cooper four, Cooper Cup five, Tyler Lockett six, Debo Samuel seven, Cedric Wilson eight, Brandon Cooks nine, and uh, D.K. Metcalf ten to round out the list. Who are the surprises here for you? Um, I mean, Cedric Wilson, for sure. And Brendan Cooks. Those are two that I super excited. But other than that, this is more a much more normal list. Even with the addition of Michael Pittman? Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising. He's having his year two breakout. And um, that offense is kind of starting to figure it out. Him and Carson Wentz are getting onto the same page. So, so yeah, I, that's not really surprising. He'll be in and out of the top 10 the rest of the year. All right, tight end, we had TJ Hawkinson, one, Pet Fryermuth, two, Brevin Jordan, three, Jesse James, four, Dan Arnold, five, Jeff Swaim, six, Dallas Goddard, seven, Tyler Croft, eight, Mike Gusecki, nine, and Jack Doyle, another Jack Doyle sighting, number 10. So any of these really surprise you? or All is this of just, them. All yeah, of them. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, not quite all of them for me. I, I mean, I did call Gusecki, and... It, it was expected that once Zacherts left that uh, Dallas Goddard would start to get more usage in this offense, but a Jack Doyle sighting, really? I mean, who would have thought that at some point? All right, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, my good. Um, a lot of close games this weekend, not in places that you would have expected, but Bucks saints was a decent game. Cardinals-Packers, Jets-Bengals, Cowboys-Vikings. We had a lot of decent games, and I enjoyed watching football this weekend again for once. What was your good, sir? All the no-name quarterbacks making a name for themselves this week. I mean, I love a good story. And even though these are guys we don't hear about all the time, they still put in a lot of work. You would argue that they put in more work, you know, doing scout team work all week long, still having to do the same amount of studying, still have to do the same amount of film and all that other stuff, and then coming in to try to be prepared and then to just go out there and kill it. That's an awesome feeling. So the no-name quarterbacks making a name for themselves this week. Uh, good on you. Uh, my bad. Injuries, injuries, injuries. I don't think we need to go into it much more for unless we're masochists. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's been a terrible year. And some of the most special players that we have, some of the best athletes that we could ever put on a football field, we're not going to be able to see for the rest of the year or at least not for a while. What was your bad, sir? Uh, my bad is the Chargers. I mean, you go into the bye week after you get your ass kicked. You sit there for a week. You have a whole week to prepare. You know who you're playing. And then they come out against this Patriots team and just look flat. Uh, the offense, I feel like they're kind of – I feel like the whole team is kind of at, you know, um, a point right now where they need to decide who they are. You know, they're starting out the season and everyone's talking about them, talking about how good their coach is and their quarterback. And you've kind of hit a little bit of rough waters. It'll be interesting to see kind of how they turn the tide. So um, their effort uh, this past weekend was bad. I would agree, but a slightly different team. Another team coming off the bye week that completely had a stinker, Jacksonville. I know that you have been much harsher on them than I have. I thought, okay, Sometimes we'll get some effort. Sometimes we won't. And maybe they're growing pains, but they just didn't show up for a team that was playing another team on a short week that you're coming off of the bye. 
Yeah, you have to go on the road to Seattle, not an easy place to play, but to get completely outclassed by Geno Smith after about the first quarter, I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me that they seem to lack any effort and desire to do a whole lot of anything, any point in that game. What was your ugly? My ugly was the Cincinnati Bengals. Who are you going to decide to be? You know, what type of football team are you going to be? I get it. They're young. They're going to have games that are, but they were playing against the Jets. Okay. The one in five Jets. That's who they were playing against. They give up 17 points in the fourth quarter. That's absolutely terrible. Um, So the Cincinnati Bengals, woof. (laughs) Yeah. You have a statement game and you would say that this is somewhat of a trap game, but yeah, to, even though it was on the road, an 11.5-point favorite, and you don't somehow win that football game, that's surprising, just to say the least. All right, let's go to a little bit of something or nothing to finish out the show here. Michael Pittman as a wide receiver number two, something or nothing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to go back to what I was saying before, but yeah, absolutely short and sweet, something. Offense is kind of figuring it out. He's on. Um, the same page now with Carson Wentz for sure. Something Moelle Cox, Jack Doyle, Michael Pittman are all the let's say red zone targets. If they're going to throw the ball in the end zone, there's a reason Michael Pittman's gotten touchdowns. And I think the last three games, he's become a, a big body target for him to throw the ball up to. And he's getting other opportunities around the field. So I think he has become the clear number one in this offense. And it's not been a terrible offense lately. I think if they continue to grow and that Carson Wentz can start to iron out some of his deficiencies, like he clearly has some Brett Favre tendencies that are just not good for him or any offense right now in the modern game of football, then I think that they could actually be an explosive offense, but they have some, some work to do yet. And yet Michael Pittman might become one of these elite guys that we're talking about being a wide receiver one here in the not too distant future. Amari Cooper being back, something or nothing? I'm going to go with it was nothing. Even with a backup quarterback, he's just way too inconsistent for me. I don't know. I'd love to say it's something. He's on my team. I'd love to be able to start him with confidence, and yet it seems like every week that I start him, he stinks, and every week that I sit him, then he has a great game. So it's really maddening to have him on, on my team at this point. He's clearly an elite wide receiver when he's on the field and he's healthy, but I just don't understand exactly what his usage is and what exactly Dallas is doing with him on a week-to-week basis. This, for me, unfortunately, is also nothing. TJ Hawkinson returning to elite status, something or nothing? I mean, he is an elite tight end. He just happens to play with Jared Goff and the Lions. Um, So, yeah, I think it is something, but you're going to have a lot of stinkers that go along with it because of the team he plays for. Well, I think it has more to do with the quarterback than anything else. I think the line has actually been decent this year, but it's just been a volume of targets. There were a couple of games this year that they just were not getting him the football. And I don't understand that when he's clearly your best pass catcher. So if he returns to the status where he's getting a large volume of the targets, then yes, this is something for me. But right now, I don't know. I I think you drafted him and you might've overdrafted him until the Lions clearly are going to get one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft, or at least going to try to. Eli Mitchell being a set-it-and-forget-it starter, something or nothing? 
And I think that's something he is. I think he's found the perfect offense for him. He's been very consistent whenever he has been in the game. For yeah, something. We know that the uh, 49ers are going to give him elite level carries right now. And he's looked good. He's looked effective. And I have no reason to think otherwise. Right now, for me, he is set it and forget it. This is absolutely something. Cooper Cup being the fantasy MVP, something or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it earlier. Already has more points than he had all of last year. Quick and easy, something. I think this is something because given where you probably drafted him, I think I saw him go in the seventh or eighth round on average. You're getting such a huge return, and no one, literally no one, I don't even think Cooper Cup's mom would have predicted him being the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year. Uh, Jonathan Taylor as the best back in football without King Henry, something or nothing. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier as well, so quick and quick and sweet, uh, something for sure. The volume's there. The pass catching's there. They've been clearly a better offense the last few weeks. They're going to be playing from behind a lot more because that defense cannot stop anybody late in games. I expect for him to have a huge role going forward. And as long as he stays healthy, I think he is the number one back and definitely the number one dynasty back. Something for me. Pickups, stream stashes, and drops. Top pickups on the board. Taysom Hill, Michael Gallup, Darnell Mooney, Devontae Parker, Boston Scott, Rashad Bateman, Will Fuller, and Justin Fields. Out of that list, who would be the guy that you would really target if it were your team? Oh, man. I guess Justin Fields for me. I, I don't know, man. Simeon looked really good. I, I feel like a lot of people will say Taysom Hill, but Simeon looked really good. I feel like Sean Payton will have a decent plan for him as well. I don't think it will all be uh, Taysom Hill's rodeo. Actually, I'm going to go with Rashad Bateman. I didn't even see him there. Bateman by Bateman. Um, I feel like once Nagy gets back, the Bears are going to go back to being what the Bears are. So uh, I'm going to go Bateman. I'd probably put it in some order of Justin Fields because of his running ability. And at some point, Matt Nagy will no longer be able to touch Justin Fields. So he'll improve just by uh, vicinity or lack of vicinity. Uh, Rashad Bateman's in that category for me as well. I think he's with a good quarterback and could eventually take away from Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews in what could be a better passing offense as they go forward. But you don't know what Ravens team is going to show up week to week. So that remains to be seen. And then I'd probably go somebody like either Taysom Hill or Michael Gallup, guys that have done it before, but that you need, um, I guess, more of a depth on your team. Taysom Hill, I think, was a top 12 quarterback last season when he was starting just due to the rushing element of his game. I would assume that he'd be the starter given that he was the starter in camp. He was the starter last season, and he's the guy with probably the more explosiveness out of either of these two going forward. But you don't know. He's a 30-year-old quarterback. I just don't see Trevor Simeon being a uh, fantasy viable quarterback going forward with the Saints or, for that matter, being more than a backup. Uh, but Michael Gallup, again, good offense. Uh, we already saw what Cedric Wilson could do last night. Maybe he's not as explosive yet, and he's still coming off of that injury. But you think that investing in him at least long-term might pay some dividends. In a dynasty league format, he definitely needs to be owned because I don't know if he will be with Dallas next season, given that I think he's done with his contract at the end of this year. He may be a free agent and thus end up in a better situation that can take advantage of his talents a little bit better. Top drop candidates for me, Kenneth Gainwell. I, I mentioned it before, but 
his usage is just abysmal in that Eagles team right now. And I just, he was going to be the pickup for everybody because he was the passing down back. I just don't see it. Jamal Williams. I I know he was inactive with like some injuries and an illness, but his usage rate, even before that is just, they're not passing the ball to him. He's only there running back. And I guess he's their power back, but clearly he's seeded carries to Deandre Swift in a way that I didn't envision going into the season. Robbie Anderson's been on this list before. I've talked about him a bunch, even though he had an uptick in targets and supposedly he's getting better for me. Brandon A might be a drop, especially in redraft. I don't know if I'd be willing to get rid of him in a dynasty format, but in a redraft, I just see there are better probable options available to you depending on your league. And then Kenny Galladay, I've mentioned before on this list, just a guy you can't rely on being on the field at any one time. So uh, any other thoughts for the week? No, not really. It was a good week of football. It was a good week of football. Unfortunately, we're going to be missing some other stalwarts. And uh, I just hope that this year of attrition stays favorable for the rest of our fantasy teams and for the Green Bay Packers. So thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again later this week. But until then. Until then, good luck on the waiver wire. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dydynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show on whichever podcast platform you use so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Rodney Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.